You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, listeners. Thanks for coming back to Just Riding Along. Two quick things. One, go over to shopmbr.com. I've changed things up with the store uh, and added some options for the Just Riding Along shirt. There's 10 different colors of that logo shirt. So if you've seen it before, wanted to buy it, and it wasn't there in the tan, or you wanted a different color, go check that out, shopmbr.com. And just a reminder to continue to keep using the Amazon link. You can go to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR to find out more about that. And that's it. So enjoy this episode of Just Riding Along. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. It is boys night out. This episode is brought to you by Testosterone. Um, Andrew is not able to join us tonight, so it is just myself and Kenny, who probably has a mouthful of food. Um, he is eating. It's a it's a work night for him, so this is a little later and a little more, uh, a little less. What's the right word? More rushed to get here. Less uh, less comfortable to hit the start line. I don't know. Anyways, um, we do have a good bit of stuff to cover <clears throat> as always. Um, so we'll start with the donation that we got that I didn't pull up because I closed all of my browser tabs to clean up before the show, and I left the wrong tab open uh rod m from wisconsin sent 25 dollars. so rod thank you um you're a, a local ish guy now we live in the same state that's pretty cool um i wonder if he sent it with like cheese curds like if it <laughs> if he like floated it on cheese curds like an air hockey puck floats on air i wonder if he just like slid it through the internet tubes lubricated by a squeaky curd oh man we talked about this many shows ago but i went to a bar in michigan and they their appetizer were I don't even know what you call them. They were giant mozzarella balls, basically. Cheese fists. They, they were nuts. Like they were breaded. They almost looked like little cakes, and they were breaded, but inside was just solid cheese. And you know, they were like oozing out that like cheese oil juice stuff that was like kind of orange, and it was super sketchy. And it was an appetizer. It was like five dollars, and it had to have been no shit at least one pound, if not more, of cheese. Uh, I mean, it was breaded. It was like a giant, think a giant mozzarella stick, but it was like in a cake shape and it had a name. So anyway, if anybody wants to chime in on the next show with what that's called, I ate one of those and judging by the size of some other people at this bar, I imagine they ate a lot of them too. Just over time. Um, they had been, <laughs> they, that had been part of their lifetime diet goal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, story time is going to be light this week. Uh, my story time is Shaquamigan 100 was last weekend. Uh, we had some listeners come up. So the, How do you say that again? Shaquamigan. Shaquamigan? Shaquamigan? Yeah, Shaquamigan. All right, cool. The Czech 100. That's easy. Uh, so that race was this past weekend, and we had four people stay at the house. Um, we had Nick and Nick Yabara. He is the Matahe 100 and 150 and he does all the monahay races um so the race director for that stayed with us along with his buddy mitch they both did the 65 and finished and finished well um and then let's see long time listener and someone we've i've met a few times now ben mullen came up with his buddy nate and Ben had a little issues to come to some uh some some heat and just you could say the overall single trackness uh didn't have a great day but his buddy nate kind of knocked it out um so it was really cool i rode i caught a ride up so for those of you that aren't familiar pull up your map and look at hayward or go to i'll put a, a link to it in the show notes the canva trails um but we i it was a, a loop race for those guys that went from cable all the way down to Hayward and back up to Cable with another little jig jag in there. And what I did, so I could, I hadn't seen all the trails yet, and I still haven't because I only rode from Cable to Hayward. And there's a network of trails along the way. Um, you go from Cable to Sealy to Hayward, and there's a cluster of trails kind of around those three cities. And I rode straight shot down. So I got in like 40 miles of single track on uh saturday which was pretty cool it beat me up but it was uh it was a good ride um and then cooked some food and drank some drink and it was a it was an all-around good time so that was a, a bundle of fun um and then 
yeah, that's kind of that's kind of all that I have going on. Uh, while we're on topic, you're not going to hear new episodes for the next week or two, but we're going to dig up some oldie but goodies and pull those to the surface in case newer listeners haven't made it that far back in the archives. Uh, next weekend, I'll be on the road doing some stuff with Grit Events, putting on a run in Harmon Lake, North Dakota. And then the weekend after that will be 4th of July weekend. So I'm not going to promise that we all figure out a time to sit down in front of a microphone because that is probably unlikely. So yeah, um, that's kind of all that I have going on. And if Kenny doesn't have a mouthful of cheese curds, maybe we can talk about Sid charger two damper. Yeah, man. So only thing new with me other than just riding awesome Utah shit is I put a charger two damper retrofit kit into my 2017, uh, Reba. So a couple things that I want to point out. And I, I need to find all the details on this. It's something I just found out because it, uh, it really fucked me up. Is the new, at least 2017, Reba chassis takes flangeless seals. So you cannot, like the RockShox seals that we've all been using for like 10 years or more, you can't use those anymore. So you got it. It's actually a smaller, um, it's like a smaller hole that the rubber seal goes into. So it just won't work, which sucks. Like on the Fox, you can use flangeless or the flange style seal if you choose. Yeah. Uh, but on the RockShox, this new version, you can't. So I'm assuming that like the new Sid, my Reba, uh, there's probably some other forks. I actually ended up using RS1 seals, and I need to figure out the answer to this, and maybe I can share it with you guys, or maybe you know, Matt. There are there's a part number for an RS1 seal, and there's a part number for the 2017 Reba slash Sid, I think. Yep. Or or maybe even Bluto. I don't know what the hell the difference is between them. Maybe like the foam ring or something. I don't know. Yep, that's the difference. The RS1 does not require a foam ring. Oh, well, there because you go. Because it's an so, inverted fork, so it doesn't need to have a foam ring to hold the oil up by the seal because gravity does it for you. Boom. There may be so more difference, go. but I know that RS1 seals don't come with foam rings. So what I'm doing right now is I'm using RS1 seals and I just cleaned up my existing foam rings because they weren't that bad. Uh, and I'm just reusing them because that's all, all I knew how to do. Um, um, and also yeah. maybe to back up and clarify what you're talking about is obviously it's still a 32 millimeter chassis. But if you think about it like a bearing, the the inner diameter is still 32. The stack height is still six or whatever but the outer diameter on that sid rs1 reba seal is slightly smaller yeah i'm going to guesstimate it's seriously only like one or two millimeters it's a really tiny amount but it makes you where you have to use their new seal and i'm guessing they're doing that on purpose for some other reason i have no idea but anyway i just ran into that so anybody out there who has a new sid and or reba um, you might just not even realize it. Like mine just came OEM on my RKT. I had no idea. It looked like every other Reba I've ever seen, but it was different. So there's that. Uh, but the one thing about it is the charger two damper retrofit kit that I got is not specific to my fork. It will fit in, I believe all 2012 and newer Rebos and SIDS, which is like everything. So that's really cool. Uh, yeah, so I got it. It's not cheap. It's like 330 bucks retail, I think. So definitely no, it's not chump change. Uh, yeah, it's just a charger damper, basically, which means that instead of it having like an oil bath that everything just sits in, it's like a nice sealed cartridge unit like the Fox Fit damper is. Um, and long story short, you can run less oil, which means less weight. And there's all kinds of other fancy shit in there too. Uh, but anyway, drop that sucker in there. And my impressions are small bump compliance, like for cross country guys, I think it remains unchanged. And this is probably just a product of the Reba chassis being at 120, especially too. Yeah, it doesn't, in my opinion, does not have the best small bump compliance. It's very acceptable, but it's not like awesome. But yeah, it's not an RS1 and it's not a Fox 34 and it's not a Pike. It's just not a big chassis fork at all. So yeah, it's going to flex a little bit. So small bump compliance, it's got a little bit of stiction, basically. Uh, another experiment that I'm running on this is I am running motor oil for, <laughs> hey, you're going to like this. <laughs> I know it pisses so many people off. 
So I'm running Mobile One uh, for the lower oil, which is all that does. It just splashes up and lubes the stanchions. Like it's nothing fancy. It's not anything to do with the damper, nothing to do with the air spring. It's just like lower lubricant. And it feels honestly to me exactly the same as what it did before. So again, small bug compliance, eh, I'd say it's about the same. However, uh, the lockout is a thousand times better than any of the open damper stuff that RockShox has ever made. Like it's not even comparable. It's It actually locks out. It's like a rigid button. Yeah, so that is the real deal. And the other thing is definitely like when you get deeper in the travel and like you're really hammering on that thing, mm. it's way more controlled. Like it's it's a thousand times better. So overall, I'd say it was an improvement. It's not going to be a night and day thing if you're just like, at least to me on my Reba chassis, I didn't notice a big difference in that kind of small chatter bump stuff. It's about the same. But the big hit stuff, uh, like I've done some jump trails on it uh, that I've ridden like back to back. And it's a lot better on that stuff. Like, so when you're hard on the brakes, like in a berm corner, you're really loading the fork up. It's way more controlled. Uh, so yeah, overall I'd say good. Is it worth 300 bucks? Yeah, I don't know. That's a really tough call for me, but if you guys want to try it, give it a shot. And for what it's worth, I saved like a little over 40 grams and Hey, 40 grams is 40 grams. That's not anything to sneeze at. I don't think. Um, so yeah, there you go. I've got like a dialed, I think as dialed of a Reba as you're going to get, um, I need to play with the air spring stuff and see if I can maybe get the small bump, small bump compliance a tiny bit better. Um, but yeah, and I'll also let you know long-term how the motor oil works. It might like ruin my fork. I don't know. All right. So one statement and then a question. So you're only at about $8 and 25 cents a gram here. This is a very logical weight weenie upgrade. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Nice. I'm glad you did the math on that. Yeah. So it's a fucking terrible way to save weight. But if you want to try a new damper, one of the positives is it does take off a tiny bit of weight. All right. And so, then the, the question is, what, what motor oil? I'm running Mobile One 5W30. 5W30. Cool. Yep. I don't know. I, it's just what was in the garage. I don't. There was no rhyme or reason to that. It's what you pour uh, the way, in the Civic pretty much every day, right? Man, I pour whatever I can find in the Civic, man. It doesn't even matter. Uh, you know, the way I look at it is and maybe I'm thinking about it wrong and they do slightly different things, but not really in this case. Cause they're not, I'm not asking it to be damper oil. That's a whole separate thing. I think if you use mobile one as a damper oil, it's not going to end well because it's just not designed for that purpose, but it's designed to lubricate two services and all that stuff. I'm sure mobile one, one of the big reasons that it's expensive and all that stuff is that with high temperatures and everything, which you don't really see in a fork, it does well. So that's probably not really worth it. All I know is Mobile One fucking works. Like, I mean, they use it in Lamar cars. I mean, they use it in everything under the sun. So many factory cars come with it now. I mean, like, obviously it does a pretty good job of lubricating shit. So whatever. I threw it in there. It's an experiment. I didn't do it because I think it's going to be better. It's more of just like, fuck it. Let's see if it makes any difference whatsoever. In the end, I'll bet you it's going to make no difference whatsoever. It's going to lubricate just fine. I don't think it's going to be better. I don't think it's going to be worse. It just is what it is. And then the next experiment I'll do when I do another rebuild on it, I'll throw the 20 weight gold in there and let you know if I notice any difference. And then I can go back to uh, whatever the factory stuff is. I don't even know what you're supposed to use on that fork. 15 weight rock shock damper oil or something. Yeah, it's five of 15. There you go. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my story. Other than that, yeah, RKT is still doing good. Uh, anything new on it? I don't think so. I'm going to get a dropper for it soon. I just haven't gotten it yet. I'm going to get a Fox transfer. I can only fit the hundred mil version in my bike, uh, just for all the spacing reasons. And I'm going to get the wolf tooth lever for it. Cause it's awesome. And anything new on the bike? I think that's it. Rocket. Uh, yeah. Anything else new in your world, Matt? You did some, did some racing, any new bike shit? After that 40-mile ride, the uh, top fuel is officially not for sale. <laughs> uh, I kind of had – well, it's it's twofold. Um, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be that guy. But uh, I want the top fuel for what I'm going to be doing for the immediate future, kind of. Um, I have a couple of events I've signed up to do. Ben and I are teaming up with some folks to try to put together something kind of cool. Um, so there's that. 
I'll, I I might do. Um, the cat's not coming out of the bag on that one yet. Um, which leads to depending on how things go over the next while, I might do something else pretty stupid later in the year where that bike would be good. Um, and then I was really planning on selling the top fuel and then replacing the crave. And I've heard rumors that there may be something that I would really want to replace the crave with. So I'm just going to sit tight on buying anything until I, all that flushes out. So I'm kind of uh, like question. I got a question for you, Matt. What do you think you've talked about it before a little bit, but I just want to refresher your brand new chassis Sid. I don't know when they came out with that 16 or 17. Yep. Is it 16? Yeah. It well, it's a 16 model Seven. spec bike. Is it? I thought for some reason maybe it was a 17. Anyway, new chassis rebuild, like the new, new, new. Uh, what do you think of it overall? Like, what do you think of small bump compliance and blah, oh, blah, I don't, blah? Oh, sorry. I don't have any Rebus. I only have SIDs. Or SID. I mean, what did I say? I meant SID is what I meant. Um, they're, I don't know. I'll, I'll just say this. They're good when they're built. You know, when they have fresh oil in them, they're really good, I think. Um, but you got to remember, I came from junk. So I had... You spent a little bit of time on pikes though, right? Yeah, but the pike, I always felt like, I mean, the pike was awesome. Don't get me wrong, but I also felt pretty regularly like the, like as the pike and I got to the end of our life together, I felt like it was writing checks that the ass end couldn't cash. So, gotcha. you know, it's, um, I think Andrea has a bike that's really good. Um, the pike on the 429 SL, I think that would be a, a handful of bike. Um, I think that'd be really cool. I think if I was going to build like a, and honestly, I would love to have this bike now that I've seen what Northern Wisconsin offers and, and how not hilly it is, but how glacial and just absolute bumpy it is. I think, uh, I honestly think a tall boy three built up really stupidly light would be good. Um, just unfortunately it would have to be a really, really expensive build to get it into a decent, it would still be a heavy bike. It's a heavy frame and it's a heavy fork that I would need to run on it because it's going to be over a hundred mils and the step cast and the Sid only go up to a hundred now. Um, you know, and I could do what Kenny just did, but gosh, it gets really cost prohibitive, you know, getting a Reba and then getting a charger damper for it and all those steps. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I'd tell people out there if you're looking for a 120 mil fork, I wouldn't buy a Reba. I wouldn't. The reason I'm running it is because it came with my damn bike and like, I just didn't have a big reason to get rid of it. And all I did is it came as a hundred. I just, I had 120 mil air spring. I just threw it in and I rode it like that for a while. And then I figured, eh, fuck it. I really just wanted, honestly, I was trying to do research for like you guys out in listener land because it just piqued my interest. Like, oh, cool. Charger damper drop in. That could be the most amazing thing ever. And it's not bad, but eh, eh. You know, you still want a 34. Uh, ideally, that bike should have a 34 or a pike. It just, I think most, which we've begs been over me the times of, on the show, 120 mil fork just needs a bigger chassis than a 32. It just does. Yep. And I would say for the riding here, I'm never going to point the bike downhill. You know, I'm going to point the bike down grade. You know, it's not going to be downhill sure. in the sense of Utah, Colorado. So I don't need the stiffness of the chassis. It's just that I think really what it comes down to is um, if if I had my 100% any dream bike, it would probably be 429 with full XX1 with a 100 mil SID in 46 offset to slow the handling down a little bit and keep it at 100 with kind of carbon everything. Um, that would be... That would be my and a set of crest wheels. That would be my dream bike for here. Um, cool. And in, and to kind of wrap up where that's going is, I felt like in Colorado the lockout bike made a lot of sense because it was a place where you could lock the bike out and ride uphill for a long period of time. Um, and here, I feel like you don't really use the lockout in the same way. You know, I might lock the bike out on the road. But here, I'm not going to lock the bike out on the trail. You don't have those long, sustained climbs where you can, even not knowing the trail, say, oh, we're we're going uphill. You know, it's like still glacial rock exposed, which pretty much means it, it looks like a, 
I don't know, the trail surface looks like you zoomed in on a gravel driveway. You know, there's just rocks, even though it looks smooth from a distance, there's just rocks sticking out damn near everywhere. It feels like, you know, at hour three or three and a half hours in on the hardtail for sure. Um, and that, that virtual pivot point or that, what, what would you call that, Kenny? Like the dog bone bikes? I don't know. How would you put all those together? Um, I call them, uh, I don't know if it's the right term. I always call them multi-link bikes, but that might not be the right term. You can call it solid or triangle bike or yep. dog bone bikes or, um, yeah, yeah that, we need to come up with, there's that, gotta be a term floating around that unified rear triangle bike. I think that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Anything that has like that solid rear triangle, I think that's the bike for here because the way inherently that it works is it wants to resist suspension movement when you're applying force to the pedals because the chainstay has to grow a little bit as the suspension actuates and then as a natural bike rider you stop pedaling when it gets super bumpy which makes the suspension full wide open which makes the bike feel great um yeah. it does everything that a brain wants to do but can't and that's why i'm in love with those style of bikes i mean i just always have been and i probably always will be until something changes my mind they just they work so well and I'm just coming from relatively flat landing stuff. So I think just like Matt's describing bumpy all the time, but you don't really ever climb sustain. So lockouts just become like an annoyance. It's like on, off, on, off, on, off. Um, I want a bike that just works all the time the way it should and is predictable and dependable. And you just pedal the damn thing. Uh, so that's why I love those style bikes. So the pivots, the Niners, the Santa Cruz's, the, giants and there's a few others in there yep and the uh i think the you said flatland and it's on off on off it's not that you want to lock it out for 15 minutes you want to lock it out for three to five hard pedal strokes after you went through a slow corner you know and yeah, that just and, gets and that, really that's taxing just pain, that's a pain in the ass so cool yeah all right uh we do have questions you want to dig in let's like it's it. a big bowl of spaghettis we uh let's see um Cool. So I'll just read through this one. There's not really much to discuss, but there will be a link in the show notes for this. Uh, so we have Al from the internet. He built a specialized cam jumper. Um, so he says, what's up, Jerry? Um, let's see. You guys are, you guys and gal are funny. Although you all might be some weight weenies. You remind me of the kind of people I ride and goof around with on a regular basis. It's refreshing to hear people or bite people who ran about the obvious, have a reasonable approach to racing and training, and understand that having fun is the most important in all of this. Anyway, I recently turned my 2017 camber into a 2016 stump jumper. The front triangles are identical, and although you might... Uh, i got to move my Skype window here. Um, and although you might appreciate the idiocy behind this genius endeavor, so if you can read a little write-up, and watch the video here. And there's a link to his pink bike, like user-generated content, which is beautifully put together. Um, I read the whole thing and drooled a little bit. Uh, he says, By the way, I just want to stop really quick and say, I freaking love when people do this shit. When people, <laughs> when no, I'm serious. When people take the time and research something and say, hey, you know what? Even though this might not make that much sense, I'll bet you you can do this. Like, hey, will this motor go in this car? I don't know. Let's fucking do it. And I'm going to make an awesome detailed write-up on what I did and what I found and like all that stuff. It's awesome. I think not enough people these days are like willing to like take risks and try that shit. Everyone has to be told what to do. Um, so yeah, I love people that use common sense and just do shit. So props. But anyway, go on. Um, that, no, that was the that was the, the whole spiel. Um, keep having fun and good luck with all the new opportunities you folks are tackling your pal al um so yeah definitely and he does do a really good job of of documenting and you know to piggyback on what kenny was saying there is a lot of people out there that are being takers you know i think that that there's two ways to look at you know the year 2017 any information that you could want is inside of that little computer in your pocket um and while we are becoming happier to document what we had for dinner maybe we're a little less inclined to take the extra 20 minutes and document what we're doing to generate some you know to be a to allow someone to be a taker from us you know to allow someone to have a uh what would you call that you know write the like you're going into let's say uncharted territory well like write the manual for it so someone else can figure it out later 
Exactly. My little pet peeve on the internet is when somebody does indeed take the time to do something, even if what they find out what they did is not worth it or it was dumb or whatever. But if they do a good job documenting it and then people come on, they're like, that's dumb. Why'd you do that? And I just want to come to the screen and kick him in the fucking face. Like, like you guys have done nothing original ever. Why the hell are you criticizing what other people are doing? That just bugs me. Yeah. And, you know, it's like the you can do a really wonderful scientific research study and just find out that it didn't work. But if you do everything properly, it's still wildly successful. Your research was, but it's not very exciting when your research is to say, nah, that doesn't work. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, gosh. Hold on. All right. I thought I had my heater turned off and I don't. I had to turn my oh. heater off. Are we recording? Yeah, we are. Uh, let's That's good. See. Let me make a note here of <laughs> this time. Um, all right. I'll just trim that junk out of there. Next question. Colin has an FSA dumpster fire. Uh, what's up, crew? First off, awesome show. Keep the beer, whiskey, fueled rants coming. Let this be one of them. Slightly off topic of single track, but I finished the DK half pint last weekend and decided after lackluster drivetrain performance, mainly after a few stream crossings and then dusty roads, it's time to ditch the 105 setup that is a 5236 front, 1128 rear on my Candale slate and go to a one by. I had planned to do the upgrade midsummer after stashing some cash in, but turns out Monday's ride had other plans. And he attaches a picture. Um, so yeah, Colin's photo will be with the show. When I stood up to sprint, my front chain ring decided to take a shit. I was in the 5211 well before I stood to sprint, and there was no shifting under load. I want your thoughts on what caused this clusterfuck. Anyways, will an XO rear derailleur play nicely with my Shimano 105 hydro shifters? Do I need to purchase the Wolf Tooth adapter, and does this adapter work? Um, no, 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 no. Um, also, going with a 44-tooth Cannondale spider ring on the front and switching the free hub from Shimano to the XD for a 1042 rear. Your thoughts? What did I fuck up about the one-by plans? Tell me how I'm wrong. And I sent him an email back uh, kind of shortly after. Right in the Wolf Tooth stuff, it says, like, shifting performance will be hindered, which is manufactured code for it will touch all 11 gears, kind of. So... um I don't know. I, I highly recommend it against that. What is your thought on that, Kenny? I've never done it personally, so I can't say if it'll work or not. I have messed with the, oh shit. It's a wolf tooth thing. It's got a name. The Linderettes? <laughs> uh, not that one. The, no, forget all the stupid, like one by 10 extended range shit. Cause that just makes me so angry. I can't talk about it. Uh, the, uh, it's for putting a, a, I believe, 11 speed mountain Shimano derailleur, rear derailleur, on the drop bar Shimano shifters. That little adjuster guy. Like it, it changes the ratio and you plug it into the derailleur. Yeah, yeah. I've messed, it's got a name. But anyway, uh, I've Tan messed Pan. with that one. Yes, that one. And it was not awesome. Like, yes, it did technically work where it flat out would not work without it. But to me, it was in the same ballpark as those one by 10 extended range things. They don't work well enough. It would piss me off because like it doesn't work 110% right. Yeah. And that's what I told him is you should save your money and go straight to full blown SRAM rival one. So you use the inline barrel adjuster then. Um, because you have rival with a barrel adjuster and you have rival shifters and your hydro dumpster fires in the dumpster with BB seven brakes and it's good. And by the way, I do feel your pain a little bit because I know if I had Shimano hydro drop levers, I'd want to like continue to use them because they work really well. And I don't personally like the drop bar SRAM stuff. That's just me. Maybe I'm weird. Maybe Matt's had better experiences, but almost every one of those things I've pulled, the lever just feels like garbage. That's why I said BB sevens. Oh. Yeah, there you go. BB sevens with compressionless housing, and you'll you'll maybe not stop as good as the hydros, but they're not going to rub, and the lever pull is going to be consistent, and it's probably not going to piss you off. Yeah, so not much more we can do for for old Colin. Unfortunately, that's just not the way that it works. So, yeah. Hopefully, uh, oh, you could do. Well, no, don't do that. Never mind. 
Well, hopefully what is eventually going to happen is we're going to have freaking wireless SRAM mountain stuff, and then you can have like wireless drop bar shifters. Uh, but then they're going to be freaking hydro because they're SRAM. No, uh, what you would do, it. though, is you would put blip shifters under the hoods. You would gut your Shimano hoods and dremel out the hood just enough to put blip shifters inside of the shifter body. There you go. That's rowdy. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a thing. So, But hopefully they come out with 12-speed electronic mountain. God, I want it so bad. Like, yes, I, I really, really, really want to put that on my bicycle. It, it better. I'm really kind of surprised, actually, that it was not out for the 2018 season. Like, that's really shocking to me. I think what they want to do is give the mechanical 12-speed stuff that they've invested in a little bit more time to, like, make its money. I'm guessing. I don't know. Because basically, uh, I think the wireless will dig very badly into XX1 Eagle. But mm. hell, for, for all we know, they're never going to come out with it. But I would just be, I just do not understand why they wouldn't. I would. So it's, uh, it's, it's June 20th. I would say we're running Eagle Tap by this time next year. I hope so. So they already have the stuff for, for road. And it's coming. Phrasing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Shane K from Canada. JRA, my bikes are where drivetrains go to die. If I didn't have a bad knee, I swear I would go single speed only. I converted my 2015 Trance 3 to 1x10. I'm happy with it except for chain drops and bad shifting. When the bike was brand new, I did smash the derailleur on a wood plank so hard I broke the shifter cable. I changed everything but the rear derailleur, including the hanger. Should I try bending it back on my own or take it to a shop? I hate derailleurs so much. The other issue is the back wheel bearing is is a clapped out cup and cone design that I'm constantly repacking and tightening. I first noticed this one day when it felt like the wheel was going to fall off. Giant, of course, wants $60 for a through axle and $13 for hardware, and that's not even before buying a wheel. Investing in wheels right now doesn't seem smart, as my next bike will likely or will more than likely be boost Shane from, I don't know. I'm going to butcher this Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Yes. How the fuck did you know that? I know Saskatchewan. Oh, geez. Yeah. I got some bros up there. Kenny's had nuggets in Saskatchewan before. (laughs) Uh, My advice would be, this is one of those weird times where I'm going to like, I want you to go buy you shit. Go shop around and see if you can find like a rear wheel that's in good shape that's cartridge bearing. Uh, you can find some like sick deals. Someone's got some, you know, wheel that they put a bunch of time and money and love into, like, you know, whatever, a Hope or a, a God forbid, a Chris King or an i9 or a, a factory ZTR or any of these other wheels under the sun with a nice hub in it. And you can buy them like single on eBay for nothing, like a hundred bucks. It's just crazy what they go for sometimes. So if you're confident that it's in at least halfway decent shape, uh, that's what I'd do. Find something with a decent hoop and decent hub and just go for it. Because it's going to cost you 100 bucks, and then you never have to fuck with that cup and cone thing anymore. I would say Stan's just finally released their, and I don't know what it's called, like they their S-build wheels or whatever. Um, I think they're called S1. Okay. They're like cheap. They're like four hundred dollar wheel sets. So here I will I will pull it up now as far as brand newness goes. Uh, yeah. So uh, you can we can keep going and I can come back to this as I look it up. Okay. Yeah. So for me, I would put my money there. And just I think to clarify what I think I'm reading here for listener land, I think he has a bike that he can convert. It's through it's open dropout, and I think he can get a sixty dollar axle and a thirteen dollar like dropout kit that would bolt into the end of the frame to convert it from open dropout to through axle. I think that's what the $60 axle and $13 hardware is. Um, yeah. And that's really not that bad. I mean, yes, it kind of stinks. And by the way, while this wheel set is very reasonably priced or wheel is reasonably reasonably priced for what it is, uh, buying a single wheel and the fact that it's rear is always more expensive. Uh, you're looking at retail $280. So I think definitely a decent way to go, especially if you're going to buy it new. I think that's a great way to go. But yeah, I, I, again, I would, if it were me and he sounds like he's a little bit budget minded, 
I wouldn't be too scared of hopping on eBay and just buying a $150, like, nice used rear wheel that's not totally clapped out. And just to play devil's advocate, the $280 one has a warranty. So Yes, yeah. I mean, it's definitely never a bad idea, especially with wheels. You're playing a little bit of a risky game getting a used wheel, but, um, you know, if you've got confidence in somebody, like, you know, on eBay, it looks pretty decent. You send the guy a message and say, like, hey, really just want to check. Can you make sure there's no flat spots, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. And if the guy gets back to you and can, like, write a complete sentence, he's probably not full of shit. That's funny. What do they call that uh, line of wheels? Uh, S1. S1, cool. So there you go. And as far as your derailleur being possibly bent, yeah, take it to a shop. And my advice on that is if you tweaked a derailleur, it will probably never, ever be the same ever again. Sometimes you get lucky and you just break a hanger or you just break that little extra B-knuckly piece on the new Shimano things. Uh, But if you mess up like the actual like main body parallelogram thing in there or you like bend the cage in relation to the body, it's just fucked. Like it's destination fucked. Get rid of it and just get another one because it's going to piss you off for the rest of your life. Yep. So there you go, Shane. Your derailleur's probably fucked. You could buy a new wheel or a used one. So you could always ride a quick release wheel with a Shimano through a quick release lever too, and it probably wouldn't fall out. So. Yeah, if you want to save even more cash, yeah, no big deal. You don't have to go through axle. I mean, yeah, I think on every disc mountain wheel that it should absolutely be through axle. But I mean, if you've been riding what you have up till now, it's gonna your new quick release. That's another thing. You go find a quick release rear wheel on eBay for like nothing because nobody wants them so you could probably find a smoking deal in fact right now you know let's go to the next question i'm just curious i'm just uh i'm gonna ebay real quick for this guy i'm sure it'll be gone by the time that i send it to him but i'm just curious for my own like knowledge if i can find like an awesome wheel for 150 dollars, including shipping boom while kenny looks that up i'm gonna talk about gerhard from south africa he has a fork curie Good good day, Matt. I uh, hope you had an excellent weekend. I rode a 66-kilometer monster race on Saturday, and on the long, steep, rocky downhills, my fork packed down. My rebound was more on the fast side, so I doubt it was the rebound that caused this. According to the wise interwebs, the problem can be with the positive and negative chambers and seals, which are compromised. Once the seals has been attended to, what is the correct procedure to inflate the fork to the correct pressure so that both chambers fill correctly? Thanks for the ever entertaining and always informative JRA shows, Gerhard. Um, if you have a dual air chamber fork, you air up the top and then you air up the bottom. And if you want to be full proper about it, let all the air out of the bottom and then air the top up and then air the bottom up. Because that is correct. Yeah, occasionally, and this sounds counterintuitive, and I hope Kenny has a this more like real answer for it. But if your positive chamber is, I'm going to just use numbers here. If you get 80 in the positive and like 95 in the negative, your fork will stick down and then you can put 120 in the positive and it still won't, won't grow the fork back out, but you can let the negative down to zero and the fork will grow back out. Like if you ever ran into that, like where you can't get it to extend on pressure, even though you've like, really bump the pressure way out yeah i have and that's why you're exactly right what you're supposed to do is take all the pressure out of the negative and then add to the positive what you want and then go back and finish with the negative and to jump in on top of that if you have a solo air fork that's why you'll find if you are inflating the fork it's probably a good idea to double check it so like inflate the fork and then cycling it, that charges the negative. So you should cycle it some and then double check the top and cycle it some and double check the top. Because if the, you know, if it's brand new or you've never had air in it or it's been a long time or whatever, make sure that that negative chamber is getting filled, which is filled from the positive chamber, which then makes your sag different. Would you agree with that one too, Kenny? I would. So, and that's just like, say, you like for me, I know that I need to run 95 in my SID. That's what the chart says. And the chart's really good. Um, I just go by the chart and it feels great. Um, on my hardtail, especially, I'm not too worried about the sag as much as I am. And 
I got. I know someone's going to write in and tell me how wrong this is. I really don't want the fort to be too deep in the travel when I'm on the front break. Um, so if you listen to two episodes ago, I think it's episode 48 of The Path, and I'm still not super familiar with all the guys. I think Ak is talking about setting his bike up for the breaking point, which he means like when you're all the way out there on the outer limit and you're like at your maximum velocity, you want your fork and your suspension to be doing it's best then because you're already kind of like on the fringe of like in deep shit. So don't like he, I think a lot of people describe they run their suspension as stiff and they say that because it makes them sound cool. I run my suspension real stiff. No, I think what they mean is you have the option of running your suspension extra plush, which would be making that small bump feel great. Making that mid stroke feel great at the expense of it might bottom out a little bit better. Um, and I get, you could use air tokens or, air pucks, you know, air volume reducers to solve that to some degree, but I'm not even wanting the mid stroke to do quite what it would normally do. I always run my forks a tiny bit heavy, you know, like, um, maybe like a few PSI more than someone else. My weight might, or I'm like right at the, the flop over of the, uh, weight chart. And I might go to the low end of the next weight up instead of running it at like the, high end of my weight um so yeah i just run my i always like put 95 in the top and i cycle it put 95 in the top and cycle it and then check it and it's usually like right at 95 so yeah there's there's just remember to do that as well so did you find a wheel 150 bucks mm, is he 29 or yes we don't know 2015 trance that'd be 29 Okay, cool. There's a few on here. Uh, there's a really nice one, like with a like nice looking Schwalbe tire on it. <clears throat> free shipping. For, yeah, I say that. Uh, two hundred twenty bucks for a ZTR Arch. Uh, so that's not terrible, not awesome. But if you browse around, I promise you can find a really good wheel. Uh, you could probably find a really good rear wheel for one hundred fifty to two hundred dollars. Free shipping. Boom. So. Um, moving on, we have, let's see, two more. So Aaron from SoCal land, yo, JRA, he has three things. He has props, a dig and two questions. So I guess it's four things. Uh, <laughs> first one is mad props. Keep doing what you're doing as you make my soul crushing commute suck less D than usual. Doing what I can to support you guys wearing out my JRA shirt and spreading the mountain pipe podcast gospel or gospel. Um, a dig. Why is Andrea always asking for free stuff? Is she lubing chains with maple syrup now? Maybe it makes good hub juice for an industry nine. So, uh, Kenny, you go first. Do you, uh, if you what have am I, why is Andrea what, asking for free stuff? What do you mean for, oh, like maple syrup? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize, I didn't even realize that she was like actively asking. I think it's more of just a joke at this point of uh, people hooking her up with maple syrup. I don't think it's really anything beyond that. Yep. And so that's, that's one part of it for sure. Um, and then the other part of it that I explained is I did a, a pretty quick, um, rundown of like how long we've been on the air and whatnot. And we've probably put over 500 hours into the show at this point. So in some ways it's like, yeah, that is, you, you could say, why is Andrea always asking for free stuff? But, um, one is awesome. Like if someone mails you something, it's like really cool. Um, yeah, it's just fun. It's personal. But yeah, I mean, if we got paid uh, a decent hourly wage for doing what we're doing, uh, we would have a lot of money, but we don't. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Correct. Um, so this is definitely a, a labor of love. And we, we do it. We do it for fun and because we actually enjoy like, you know, we really do enjoy talking with you guys about like what you like, what you don't like, um, you know, dissecting products like it's just fun. And I mean, don't get me wrong, even if you don't make money off of it, uh or very little money off of it. You, you definitely do get hooked up in the industry a little bit. Like you, you get to meet people. We interview cool people. Like there's definitely more to it than money. And, and it's not all about money, but I mean, yeah, from, if you want to look at it from that standpoint, uh, yeah, we have made like a dollar an hour. Maybe <laughs> it's pretty rough. Yeah. And yeah. So, um, so that's the first part. The second part is a question or first question. Um, uh, I know y'all are not 
big on dropper posts, but out here in Broland, Southern California, we get rowdy and use dropper posts more than a derailleur. Recently built up a Kona Hanzo ST Bro Hardtail so I can send it a frame and carry it over an ancient-ass gravity dropper post with a whopping 100 millimeters of travel. My other bike has a reverb that works fairly well, but it's under a year and already blown up. Yeah, I'm large. What's the JRA's consensus for a 31.6 dropper? KS has lousy customer service. Crank Brothers ruined me with their Joplin Eon or Joplin Eons ago. What's out there now? Um, I think Kenny kind of answered this earlier. What are you going to get? Um, I I kind of like the Fox Transfer. Like the latest gen seems to be pretty freaking nice. I mean, yes. It's going to need service. Yes, some of them are going to break. Yes, there's probably some other decent shit out there. But just from like, it's pretty easy to hook it up, like get that cable in there. Um, You don't have to dick with hydro stuff. They make really good levers for them now, like aftermarket levers, which sucks. You have to pay for them, right? Uh, It sucks that Fox can't make a good one out of the box. But I've just personally messed with a lot of the Fox transfer posts out here. And that's going to be my next post. So that's my input. Technically, it'll be your first post, right? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. So moving forward, the next one is when are you and the path podcast going to do a combo podcast? Um, I don't know. I'm actually kind of glad Andrea's not here cause she's like jokingly said before she wants to start a podcast war. So, um, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> I think a better way to describe that is it would be a handful for seven people to be on one recording. It would be completely out of control. Yeah. I mean, what we'd have to do, I think is like, you know, when we get a bunch of podcast money, we'll fly everybody out and we'll all meet in one, like one location and we'll make a TV show. Exactly. Um, so he says, keep it real and pound the nugs. Also shout out to my buddy Jay who recently ate mad shit and came up looking like a sweaty, dirty corn dog on the trail. He turned me onto the podcast. So that's cool too. So thanks Jay for telling Aaron about us and then taking a mad digger and looking like a fucking corn dog. So your buddy can rip you on air. And I'm really happy when I get to tell that. Thanks for eating shit, man. No, I mean, when I get to bust people out on air at their buddy. Like, remember when those guys kept donating for, like... I mean, it's pretty funny that they were, like, trying... They were just talking shit about each other, but doing it with donations. That was pretty uh, classy. Yes. Um, It was really amazing. So, and then last question of the day. Josh and the Tennessee Chainslappers is what I named this one. Um, Hey, Jerry Crew. Love the show. He's from Tennessee. That's where I came up with that. Um... It makes my long commutes much more enjoyable. I have a 2015 Trek Fuel EX7 that I upgraded the stock 3x10 drivetrain to a 1x setup. I currently have a Shimano XT1142 cassette with an 11-speed chain and XT derailleur. I have a Race Face Turbine 32-32T chain ring and crank set. I've been having a lot of issues when it comes to chain slap. I've adjusted the tension on the rear derailleur to what I believe is adequate. It is also a relatively new chain. That's about seven months old, which depending on how much you ride, time is nothing. It's all about miles or hours of use, not time installed on the bicycle. Um, But even with a brand new chain, it still seems to be a problem, but just not as bad. I believe most of the chain slap is coming from the upper portion of the chain that seems to be slapping laterally on the seat stay and not so much on the chain stay. My thought is to go simple and get a new chain, but that didn't seem to make a huge difference when I initially did it. There seems to be a pretty harsh chain line when I'm pedaling in the easier parts of the cassette and thought that might be causing the chain to wear quicker. Thanks, Josh from Tennessee. So what's your thought, Kenny? My thoughts are that chain slap probably has very little to do with the condition of the chain and more so with like the geometry of where all the tubes on your bike are. Some bikes just, like, make more noise than others. Um, I mean, all bikes are going to get some chain slap for the most part, unless it's got, like, a full-on DH guide set up. But even then, I think those things slap around like crazy because, well, you're doing DH. So I don't really have a lot of constructive advice, to be honest. Like, my RKT, uh, you know, every once in a while when you're really hammering, you can hear it. But I'm usually, like, trying not to die, so I'm, like, not listening to my chain slapping around. And let's see on my aluminum jets. You could definitely tell there was some chain slap on those cause it wore off all the paint, but like, eh, it, I guess it just never bothered me that much. And my chains never came off. So I just, 
I just didn't really care. So, yeah, sorry. I don't have any great advice for you. And Matt's dying. Yeah. Um, yeah, new chain isn't going to fix chain slap. The only thing that's going to fix chain slap is wrapping, like, uh, either buying a chain stay protector and installing it on your seat t- stay or wrapping your seat stay with an old inner tube like you would wrap a handlebar. Um, don't just fillet the tube open and then, like, wrap it around the, the seat stay and then tape it back on with electrical tape. Don't do that. You know what I used? That ESI tape that bonds to itself. That makes amazing chainstay protectors because it stays really in good condition for a long time. That's what I had on my Jet Alloy. It worked really well. Uh, I am running the same tube on my Crave from August of 13. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying from like a clean standpoint, it's you can get a nice clean wrap out of that ESI like self-bonding finishing tape. I don't know what the hell they call that stuff. I should probably instead of me just saying like random shit, I should probably look it up. Uh, let's see. 3M is going to make a product that does the same thing. I just wouldn't know how to find it, especially uh, I don't know it. what the hell that stuff is. Yeah, ESI silicone finishing tape is what it's called. Do they sell it by the roll? They sell it by like giant ass rolls. It is amazing stuff too. Oh, you can get it in smaller rolls. Nine bucks for like a small roll. That'll do definitely a chain stay. Oh, it even says on there, chain stay. Boom. It's like the first checkpoint. So yeah, buy that. Oh, you get it in colors too. Damn. You can get that orange and that blue and gray. Damn. It's all going to get black from chain grease. So you may as well get black. Uh, yeah, you should probably get black. Um, so yeah, there you go. Tennessee chain slapper. That's that's all I have for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and as far well, as the maybe, chain line of oh, a Oh, yeah, one, I've got one. Maybe his chain is ridiculously fucking long. I didn't really think about that. Maybe. But if it's slapping on top, that's not really going to matter. Honestly, it's not going to make a huge difference. Probably not, but you never know if it's just ridiculously long. Like if he just bought a new chain, he's like, oh, yeah, I put my new chain on. And then your buddy's like, hey, man, did you cut that chain? What do you mean, cut that chain? Hell no, uh, I bought it. I'm going to use the whole damn thing. Hell yeah, I'm going to get all my money's worth, man. You don't use those three extra links? Well, it's 116 links. If you take three out, the chain's going to wear out like two and three quarter percent faster. So, <laughs> Oh, man. So it'll last for like 87 rides instead of, I can't do math, 84 or whatever. Um, so yeah, there's not much, not much there. Um, as far as chain line with one buy, it's going to be bad. That's part of the downfalls of one buy is chain line is when you're like up in them easy gears. It's not so great. That's why I'm a rebel and I run a non boost chain ring on my boost bike to make my chain line more awesome. Yeah. I'm just glad your chain ring clears your frame. Oh yeah. I'm not scared at all. I run a 28. Yeah. It clears with a 32, by the way. On an RKT, if you're curious, in listener land, 32 tooth, regular round ring. From who? RKT, boost, uh, wolf tooth. Okay. On a rate, like, yeah. Which is even fine. worse, because it's a 49 and a half chain line instead of 51. Oh, I run a direct mount on a next crank. I haven't actually measured it. I have no idea what the chain line is. But regardless, if you're curious, don't be scared. Uh, it works and it makes your chain line like that little bit nicer, which is cool. The reason they do the whole boost thing is because technically to get proper clearances and all that shit. And for the guy who wants to run a 34 or 36 or something like that, they just have to like put it outboard. Uh, but for folks like us who run normal size rings, yeah, you can do it and you get more awesome chain line. So don't be scared. Don't be scared of doing that. Don't be scared of, you know, motor oil in your, <laughs> in your rock shock and, Tenacious oil in your I-9s, and yeah, just send it, man. Also, I'm running a 36. So, Oh, my God. I'm running 36 1 by 10 with 1136. So big. Yeah. But my 40-mile ride had like 2,000 feet of climbing, maybe. So, Oh, that's not bad. That's like 50 feet per mile, man. That's solid. Oh, I mean, it's not hilly, though. You know, it's not like I did a 20-mile ride with 4,000 feet of climbing. Yeah. So... Yeah, I got to get a bigger chain ring on the top fuel. It's got a 30. That's not going to cut it. And it's not even on the trail. It's uh, like we've talked about before. It's better chain line. You know, I want to run in the middle of the cassette on the trail. And I want to have like a 3410 for the road so I can like move on the way to and from the trail. So No, I think that's really reasonable. I mean, yeah, we've talked about that a bunch. And not using up your tiny ass cogs in the back of your super expensive cassette is probably a good thing if you can avoid it. But 
shit, man, with my 28 and my XX1 out here, I like park. I park that shit in 2842 a lot. Yep. Eagle. Oh, you can't. You got DI2. Uh, I'm going to figure out a way to make my DI2 12-speed compatible. Um, I think I know the answer. It's You should try to run that E13 cassette. Uh, Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Is it XD driver compatible? It is, and it's like 944. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm not scared. I might try it. It's only, I would say it's a cool thing for electronic shifting. Yeah, I mean, because I, I, for what it's worth, too, for people that want some feedback, um, I've been really happy with my DI2 setup. It's kind of a bastardized setup. It's 1x11, which is arguably on a mountain bike kind of dumb to go through all the expense and complication of DI2 for a 1x, but it works. And I'm running an XX1 cassette for a little bit more range. Shifts fucking perfect. Uh, like, perfect, perfect. And, yeah, no issues. So, I like it. Boom. And yeah, the reason the E13 and the, the mechanical, meh, is that the shifting gets a little weird, but the we've talked about this before. The the robots are much more tolerant to a little a little extra like wiggle, you know? Yeah, and we've talked about this before on shows, but we I think we should just hit it again really quick to remind people. So in our experience, Shimano derailleur, mechanical eleven speed, so like think, you know, XT XTR. Uh 11 speed with a SRAM cassette 11 speed works. Yeah, I'd say 90%. There are definitely some hangups, unfortunately. Uh, it's kind of a bummer. But with DI2 and that exact same cassette, I don't know why it works fucking ace, like perfect. Uh, and then the other way around seems to work pretty well. So if you do a SRAM uh trailer one by 11 of some kind gx1 x1 xx1 with a shimano cassette xt xtr etc seems to work just fine yeah why you'd want to do that i have no idea probably just if you can't get a wheel with an xd driver that's really the only reason i could ever think of or what you had uh yeah you know when i put the crockett together it had a shimano xt cassette on it with rival one, it was fine. Gotcha. Um, and I, I'd say the reason that the DI two works better is the overshift. You know, the it it overshifts like a teeny bit and then corrects itself, and that makes a stronger shift. And I think it's that it just slams it into gear. So it's just that's what you're missing is that like last teeny little bit that makes it shift strong. Yeah, yeah. Why it works that well, I don't know, but it just freaking does. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm looking at this eyeball on this right now. I wonder how my DI2 is going to clear a 44. I know it clears a 42. I haven't installed and tuned it. It works pretty well. Cool. Anyway, that's very interesting. For some reason, I've just like never even heard of that damn thing. It's kind of funny how you can be in it and like certain products you just don't see. You just miss them. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty balling. Yeah, it's it's good. So, had a customer with one of those cassettes, and uh, it made a lot of noise, and he thought it was terrible, and then um, it just wasn't tight. Like, it was finger tight. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm looking at the little graphic, and yeah, apparently there's some, like, bunch it's, of shit you gotta do, and diagrams, and, like, It's tools. really easy. Like, once you have it in your hand, like, you can throw the instructions away. Cool. Like, they're even, like, cool enough, like... They tell you they want it to be torqued this much. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, uh, you probably don't have a torque wrench that fits this. So get it snug and then turn it like one eighth extra turn, which is going to be like, you know, four spokes on a 32 count wheel. To be honest, that's actually a better way to snap proper torque is doing it by degrees after finger tight than rather than snapping torque because, you know, greased versus ungreased and all these things under the sun. So if you're trying to get X amount of clamping load on something like degreeing something is a way better way of doing it so i wish more people would do that and they just say like look as hard as you can possibly get that thing finger tight which i mean what how tight can you possibly get something a couple newton meters as tight as you could possibly get it and then like yeah like you said eighth turn or whatever that's a way better way to do it but oh well everyone's hung up on their newton meters so (laughs) um oh cool we've answered all the questions uh what else do we want to cover Man, that's it. 
Cool. I'll shut it down. Yeah, we're going to call it a show. Uh, you won't hear new stuff. So if you're one of those people that get super, super angry when a show pulls something out of the archives, uh, just don't listen to the next couple. It'll be obvious that they're reruns per se, but uh, we're going to be on the road and then we're going to be holidaying, blowing our fingers off of firecrackers. Oh, I bought a BB gun yesterday. It's sick. It's <laughs> Why did so- you buy a BB gun? You just like killing squirrels. No, no, no. It's just that um, I, uh, well, Ben has two little kids and I can like show them how to shoot it or he can or whatever. And then we can just like shoot cans and stuff with a BB gun. Sweet. uh, Yeah. I don't want to shoot any animals with it. Uh, I would shoot those. No, I mean, that's like every normal, I think that's every normal like kid's dream is to have a BB gun. Well, like, yeah, you'll put your so, eye out, and it's like I hope so. I'd be cool as hell at school. We're a patch and shit. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, in case you have forgotten already, Kenny put fucking motor oil in his fork. So I can't <laughs> wait to hear how that goes. Um, oh my god, I'm gonna get like angry calls from SRAM, and I'm gonna get like some dude on the internet who's like so mad that like I did this to my own fork. And anyway, it's gonna be great. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh. He's like mad you did that to your fork, and like when you get those emails, it just makes you want to like take it off and burn it and be like, "Yeah, look what I can do to my own property." Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, don't overthink it, guys. There, it is literally lubricating my stanchions into the lower bushings. That's it. Like that's that's all it does. Don't get excited. And if you want to send Kenny some feedback on that, it is uh, full face Kenny at G Y. No, no, G-F-Y-S dot com. <laughs> uh, oh, man. That's not a real email address. Uh, that was the acronym for Go Fuck Yourself, that's just in case you didn't catch that. So, all right, cool. Uh, thanks for listening. If you need anything, let us know. If you don't, we'll see you after a, a brief break for holidays and whatnot. So thanks again and talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. And just a reminder to go over to Mountain Bike Radio dot com slash support mbr if you want to support the show and make sure that all of this keeps rolling so thank you and have a good day